This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Uh, big news this morning confirmed Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, the trilogy fight, July 10th at T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. They're opening up Las Vegas apparently in uh, the month of May. They're, they're going to completely open it up. A very exciting time for uh, everybody in Las Vegas that uh, can now fight at, at full arenas. Uh, but Joe, I mean, this this fight nearly fell apart this week, it seemed. Yeah, I've been hearing about that. I heard uh, Conor McGregor wasn't paying money to the foundation of Dustin Poirier. But uh, I think even Conor McGregor said the fight was off on his tweets. He was trying to play the, the matchmaker of the, of the fight. But uh, yeah, apparently it was close. Was it close, though, is the question. Well, I mean, this is all kind of public posturing, and you never know uh, if, if that's to kind of get more money out of the UFC or what it is, or to just kind of play mental head games with Dustin, which I believe is probably the most likely scenario. But uh, yeah, there was, uh, it seemed iffy for a second. But you know what? The good thing about this is, and I, you know, it seems like a lot of people said that we needed to see the, the Conor McGregor of old. We needed to see the trash-talking Conor McGregor, the bravado Conor McGregor. And it looks like that version of Conor McGregor he was looking for a reason to bring him back, and, and now he has his reason. Yeah, I mean, we like that, Connor. That's the Connor we all like, the excitement. I think the big criticism was it was a little too friendly, you know? Like, even at the, the weigh-ins before their last fight, like, giving each other barbecue sauces and talking about giving each other whiskey. I mean, at the end of the day, a big majority of the fight fans and the people who support it want violence. We still have the, the Just Bleed people watching the sport so um i mean it's part of it it's the excitement that's what connor does so i'm not opposed to it but i just hope uh the kids of lafayette over there do get that money and they can build the community there so that's my biggest concern let yeah, the kids let the, the kids get the money yeah, that's exactly. what i don't care about the fight i want the kids to, to have good education there yeah, that's a good point. That's being overlooked. Everybody's talking about the narrative of the fight. Yeah, let's let's get let's get the money into the hands of yeah. uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Lafayette or whatever the charity uh, was going to give some money to. But uh, here's my question for you: If the old Conor McGregor rises from the ashes, will it make any sort of difference at all when it comes to fight time? Well, this this is kind of what's been. I think the narrative of everyone saying there's not enough time for Conor McGregor to kind of fix this itch issue of the calf kicks and he needs more time. And even hearing like DC, uh, Daniel Cormier say stuff like that, I'm kind of like it's a simple adjustment. I, I think people are overcomplicating what getting hit with a calf kick is. Conor McGregor is a master of distance control and range. He has the ability to adapt. So what you're going to see him, he's just going to stay longer. He's going to faint. So it's almost – of a, an addition of a, doing a different strategy rather than having to change so many things. Connor's an adaptive fighter. He's dynamic. He's able to avoid it just by game plan and IQ. He doesn't need two years to learn how to defend calf kicks. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is it might not be about defending by checking. You might be looking at defending by utilizing his timing to, to throw good counters. Exactly. So many different options. But I don't think it's an issue of having to spend so much time. Like, there's a difference defending calf kicks when you're a striking specialist. But then there's a difference of, okay, in two months, can Conor McGregor defend Khabib's takedowns? Then I'm going to say, okay, we need a couple years now. You know, <laughs> we need some time. But you're talking about a simple adjustment in distance. So, yes, Conor McGregor will be prepared. He will evade them. He will slip them. He's going to use counters. So I think it's the wrong narrative to say that he doesn't have enough time to improve that one aspect. Well, you'd know the answer to this much better than I would. How often are calf kicks drilled in practice? Uh, and how often are they actually drilled where there's not protection or protective gear? Because yeah. taking calf kicks in practice is probably not the, the best thing for your longevity in the sport. Well, the thing is, when you, when you get really technical with it, the, the issue isn't throwing them. It kind of is, but now we're seeing a lot of different new equipment. Guys are creating pads, different tools. Like, I'll hold the handle of a tie pad and hold it to my calf so the guys can hit it. But I think the big problem isn't just practicing throwing them. It's you haven't built the um, body armor to take it. So, like, with your quads, like, a lot of people can, on their lead leg can take so many low kicks because they're used to taking them repetitively. But your calves aren't used to getting hit. So you have to build those... You know, the toughness of the bone, you got to take the nerve sensitivity out. So 
the best way to do it is to drill them with your partner and just practice kicking each other back and forth slowly, bruise them a little bit, slightly damage them, let them adapt, let them get stronger, damage them again. So you have to go through that cycle of constantly damaging, letting them heal, damaging, letting them heal. But that has to be done in training. Wow, so you actually do need to absorb like a bunch of yeah. tactics in order to get used to it. Because I had read uh, somewhere that uh, that was probably not the best approach. Was like you know a lot of people like to just wear the protective gear and uh, not actually take the cap kicks, and you can get you can get pretty badly hurt. Uh, yeah. You know if you're if you're practicing them, you know on on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean it would hurt if you and your partner are going there to smash them like but when you're doing leg conditioning it's not the big shots it's hitting them repetitively it's like your shins like if you've never kicked anything in your life and then all of a sudden oh i'm going to condition my shins you're not going to go up to a heavy bag and hit it as hard as you can no you're going to start by tapping your shin starting slowly then you'll maybe have a shin guard on a bigger target so you just slowly it's it's a progression thing so it's it's like body armor like Taking a punch like if I if when I was young, I used to look at these NFL players and I've been like, how are these guys taking these hits, getting up and then doing it again 10 seconds later? I'm like, that's impossible. Like 200 pound guys smashing each other. But they've developed since young age being able to take that type of hitting uh, damage and just keep getting up and doing it. So it's just it's a, it's a time of the body adapting and reps. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so why do you think they were so effective in the first fight? Like now that the time has passed and you, you're able to kind of look back on it, what, what do you think was the uh, reason that they were so effective? Well, it was effective because it one was hitting the right part of the cab and it slowed it down. I mean, it was they're effective because Connor, his distance and his stance was off. So, I mean, a calf kick is effective if you land and when it hits the nerve, you can't do much. But it's just. I know it's just more of the other person not adapting to it was the issue. It's Connor not adapting more than anything. To me, it's just they're going to hurt even if you've trained them. Like we're low kick. I'm a low kick specialist. But if I don't train taking them and I take a few, I'm going to get hurt too. So don't be surprised if if someone like Connor starts using calf kicks and then starts. It, it's it's the game of if you hit the right spot at the right time. I mean, it's like the, the chin. I think the calf has a chin almost. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Like the, if you yeah, hit that armor. nerve, it's like part, armor. It, it'll go, you know. Yeah. yeah. So like if you hit the right spot, it tends to hurt more than others. But it's about timing. It's about evading. It's it's a it's a very big question. But uh, I think guys like uh, myself and my team are hopefully be the ones to to show it at a at a different level. That's my plan. If I were to kick you as hard as possible in the leg, would it hurt you more than it would hurt me? No, it hurt your shin. Yeah. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure I want to try that's, it either. I, that's I always just, my party trick, though. Yeah. No, I think yeah, you would be okay. You've trained, you've hit the bag. You know, like I always say, like you, like, I mean, you have more of like a, I would picture your shins being sharp. Like you have like a little bit more bony shins. Oh yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't weigh much. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that's probably accurate. So those I always say hurt more. So I'd rather get hit with a big calf than more of a sharp shin. Like one of my best friends and manager Costa, we used to call him blades because he was so tall and had these lee, these long uh, tibias that was so sharp. So even him touching you with a shin, it just it was like cut your arms because they were so blady and so sharp shins hurt. So yeah, he's, he's, if you want to kick yeah, people, he's, he's it's better. He's big and thin, which is uh, I'm sure a, a tough recipe for kick. But, yeah, but you know, when I'm here, when I'm training uh, here and I'm, I'm hitting the bag, I'm usually kicking. That's what I like to. I, I'm, I'm not a big, you know, I don't like throwing a lot of punches. I like kicking. I, I feel like it, you know, I can do it more often. I can do it, uh, you know, without uh, without inflicting pain upon myself, I guess. You know, when I'm punching a bunch, it hurts my knuckles. Okay. It's usually the opposite. People like punching more because it's easier. It takes less energy. No, I'm the opposite. I like kicking. I like the, That's it. I like that. Yeah. I'm maybe Me it's too. because I've been hanging out with you for so long. It's, That's it. I know everything now is low I don't kicks, even think about kicks. punches. Yeah, there you go. I yeah. like it. Yeah, and we for, just need to get some head kicks punches. going. <laughs> what was your favorite kick when you were training? Um, Do you have like a favorite? Yeah, probably the low kick. Like I I uh I like yeah, I like I like just like an, a low roundhouse kick. Mm. And I and I do a lot of kicking off my front leg. I be I feel like it's it's not something that a lot of people um work on that much. You don't see it very often. Uh maybe people work on it they just don't utilize it or or it's not that effective of a technique, but I I feel like um you know, kicking off your front leg is kind of I guess an acquired skill. Yeah, Wonderboy Thompson. 
right? His that lead sidekick is one of the best weapons, old martial arts, right? But you would stand with your left side in front, southpaw or orthodox. Yeah, usually I, I stand with my left my left uh, in front. Um, okay, and that's but, your stronger leg? Um, my left leg? My, my stronger kicking leg would be my right leg. Okay. So if when you want to put it, you'll just go southpaw, use the lead sidekick switch. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, but I also I practice uh, I practice it with my uh, my lead leg and with uh, like with both stances. I like I like to uh, to yeah use the front leg. I think it's uh, it's something that yeah like I said like not a lot of people seem to be using it that much. Yeah, it's a good skill, old school. It's actually more old school than anything, and I'm surprised a lot of wrestlers uh, don't use it more because a wrestler will stand with their lead side in front more. So why not use that as a little stabbing technique like that? Those oblique kicks, those thigh kicks. There's there's room for them, that's for sure. So the odds for this fight now are around even money uh, for the rematch. Dustin was like a 2-1 to one underdog last time, a little bit more than a 2-1 to one underdog, I believe, last time they met. Based on what you saw in that last fight, uh, do you feel like Connor needs to win in basically the first or maybe you know first round and a half in order to win that fight? Like once once the fight gets out of the first round, do you think it's Dustin's fight to lose? I think so. I mean, I don't know. I just it depends how Connor approaches it. So usually there's two ways Connor could approach this. Is one he can stay extra long, right, to kind of slip and move, which might be a slower fight. So it could be long, it could be technical. Or he has to do the pressure style, which I think he'll probably end up using the long evade style more than that pressure style. Um, so I think he's going to really come in with a more controlled pace. I really think so. I think he's going to have to stay controlled and it's going to be Dustin, the one really pressuring him. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised, though. I guess the even money kind of would have thrown me off. I would have easily thought, you know, Dustin would have been at least a slight favorite. Yeah, I, th- I think it's Connor minus 125, Dustin plus 100, or vice versa. I, I remember seeing today that it opened around that uh, that ballpark. Let me let me pull up a uh, best fight odds and see if there's uh, if there's updated odds on it. You know, because you know money w- money will come in once that that line is announced, and it could come in. Uh, if you were to guess right now what it's at, what, what would you what would you guess? Um, I, I honestly I would think Poirier should. Minus 110, minus 115. I'm still going to think he's a, still a slow minus. Let's see. Connor will probably be probably a pick him right now. And then I think as the fight goes closer, more money will probably go towards uh, one of the two. I'm going to pull it up on my phone here because my computer is not being my friend. Because even with Connor's mouth, you always know that more money tends to go on Connor closer to the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... So. Yeah, usually during fight week, that's when most of the money comes in on Connor for sure. Let's uh, let's see here. Pulling pulling this up. Best fight odds. I'm curious. I'm curious myself because I think that. Uh, let's see if they have it. Yeah, here we go. So yes, it's dead even minus one ten both ways. Boom. Yeah. So the advantage was if you think Dustin's going to win, you should probably wait it out. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that that's that's probably your best bet is you, you wait it out. And I think you also take Dustin inside. I don't think that this fight's going to go five rounds regardless of who wins. Yeah. yeah, it's good possibility. I feel like Connor will have to commit at some point. But uh, Dustin, uh, the diamond, right? Diamonds yeah. handle that pressure. And you think that pressure eventually, you know, could wear Connor down, get inside. We Connor doesn't seem to like to get hit. You know, once he's against there, gets hit, he has that uh, ability to break. So, yeah, that's a good pick. If you if you if you feel confident in Dustin, put him inside the distance. Yeah, that's what I was recommending last time around because I just didn't think the thing about Dustin is he's not the type of guy that um, slows down as the fight goes. He's dangerous for five rounds. Like he will be able to put you away. I mean, I think he put Gaethje away in the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, hmm. you, you know, when I think about it that way, I just I just think that he's a dangerous fighter the, the whole way across. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Full arena, T-Mobile arena. It's nice to see the UFC uh, get back to these full arenas. Uh, you know, let's hope that they don't become events where a lot of people end up getting, you know, COVID from it. But it seems like the vaccination rate keeps going up in the U.S. There's lots of uh, lots of supply there. So let's just hope people are, uh, are smart enough to go out and get them. <laughs> that would yeah. be... And it's two weeks, the first event with live fan, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, not not this Saturday, but this the, week, the, the following, the following right? Saturday, right? So it's like less than two weeks away. 
from the uh, the Tampa event. So let's or Jacksonville event rather. So let's see how that goes. Uh, some other news that came down late last week uh, or over the weekend, I believe. Uh, Aljamain Sterling has opted to have neck surgery. Mm, yeah, now, I'm I hearing, heard that. I'm hearing people talk about how this is not a good look, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're the champion now. Do what you need to do. That's my take yeah. on it. Listen, if, if he's been had a lingering neck injury and you are the champion, your next fight's going to be a championship fight. You're going to get paid more than, than you, you can. But... Not only are you, this is the thing that I think a lot of people fail to understand with MMA. And Robert Whitaker has made this very uh, apparent recently where he talked about how the championship to him, the belt, means it's basically a piece of metal to him. He doesn't care about it. The thing that is important to him about being the champion is you make more money. And yeah, when and yeah. people get into this career, I'm sure that, that greatness is important. But they need to provide, especially Robert Whitaker now has four kids, three boys and a girl, just gave birth to his four, uh, third son uh, in January, did his wife Sophia, so uh, congrats to them. But, you know, Sterling now is going to be in championship fights going forward. If he wants to take the time to, to make sure that his body's at 100%, nobody should be criticizing him. Just because yeah. that fight ended the way that it did, he now has to defend not just the championship belt, but... The, the pay that comes with it, which I think might even be more important to these fighters. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very fair point. I just think that the criticism behind it is the way he was approaching the win and the showing. He, I think almost people were almost upset with him that he took like a heel position. But, I mean, if people are constantly bashing you online nonstop, I'm like, he's just approaching it and going along with it. it it's He's... What's he going to do, sit there and cry and want to give the belt back? Like he's t making the best of the situation. He's going to have to defend a world title with a neck problem that could be really bad. You know, we don't know how severe, severe that neck injury is. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we can't judge him uh, based on that decision. So, I mean, it sucks for Jan. It sucks for the division. And I think a neck injury, I think um, Sterling was saying he could be back in July, August. That's, but that's I a neck injury. Realistic. The neck, yeah. So I mean, it just, it just, I think it sucks for the division. I think that's where the the frustration comes. You got to think if I had a fighter or I was in that division, I would be pissed. I would be the one being so mad at Eljo right now because I want a title shot. If I'm like the Sanhagens and stuff like that, or, if I'm on. If he's injured, come up with an interim title. Have the winner of Dillashaw. And, yeah, but and everyone Sanhagen. hates that. But like, is that a real title, right? If you're there, that opportunity, like you have this temporarily belt that you think it should be yours so that's the frustration these interim tit titles we haven't had one in a while so so be it but i don't know i think everybody should be celebrating interim titles everybody's against these interim titles everybody wants the fighters to make more money but they don't like interim titles so which one is yeah. it because all yeah, the interim the title is is you're yeah. now the number one contender and you get more money so yeah why are people going against like if you want the fighters to make more you should you should say there should be three interim titles in a division and let everybody make more money yeah it's just knowing that it's not the real title if i'm holding an interim title and there's still a champion it's hard as the athlete themselves to call themselves a champion at that point so if i had an interim belt and i could have you know i'll give you 10 grand to have the world title you know like that extra 10 grand like i'd rather have the real belt than the interim if i'm that fighter who's coming up and i got that opportunity for example say i'm sanhagen in the situation and he fights Jan, for example right total hypothetical but sanhagen yeah hell yeah i want that interim title but if you're peter young like i don't want this interim title i, I ready i should have the world title so what's this belt mean to me so i guess it's all perspective and who you are in the situation yeah yeah i mean i get that but if you can't get the the the, the undisputed title because the champion is on the shelf with an injury or whatever whatever the reason is get the interim title make more money and smile and then and then talk trash and get aljo out and like you said build more money exactly. build more attention you can build more more equity you can get more attention 100 percent. again i i I, I hate it when people say, oh, the fighters should get paid more, but interim titles are stupid. Well, regardless of whether or not they're stupid, the fighters are going to make more money. And if that's yeah. and listen, these guys put their lives on the line every single time they go out there. They should be compensated, and people should celebrate the fact that they're going to make more money and not like not try to make it into this big stink about interim titles and put a stigma on interim titles. Because guess what? If you do that, the promotion is going to be less eager to do interim championship fights, and fighters are going to make less money. So we got, we got to decide, you know, what we want to do here. Do we want do we want the fighters to make more, or do we want the fighters to make less? 
Yeah. But with these interim titles and stuff, have we seen anyone get screwed over with it? It was who was I'm trying to think with this interim and never had a chance at a real title. Colby Covington. Colby, he eventually yes, had that's... a chance, but and same yeah, with Ferguson. Ferguson was also the interim champion, and they stripped him of the interim championship because So do you call them world champions? Like if you look back, they wouldn't be considered a world champion at Ferguson that time, would be the would former they? interim lightweight champion of the world. The former interim, yeah. And that's what they say in the cage. Dustin Poirier, the former interim lightweight champion of the world. Justin yeah. Gaethje, the former interim lightweight champion of the world. It's not a sexy title, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. I think that's where the problem is for the fighter itself. So, I mean, I think if you're not in this situation, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, an interim title is better than no title at all. So, that's where I'm at. More money, more more gold at your house, more titles to your name. So, yeah, I'm with it. Why yeah, not? And, if the division can't go, do it. You also have to think of the ramifications of post-career like if you let's say Dustin Poirier is 45 years old he's not fighting anymore if he can go and do autograph signings he can bring a belt with him for pictures he can charge more for pictures because you have a belt in the picture and he you know no people nobody's gonna say oh he was just an interim champion they want to take a picture with somebody who has a UFC belt that that they they earned yeah the same thing was Izzy right Izzy says he has one more defense because he doesn't call his first uh title wasn't remember because his first yeah, title yeah. was in the interim mm -hmm. so he thinks he has another uh jewel on his belt you know which is fair too right it's fair to say that. That's fair, but I'm not, okay not necessarily that. accurate. <laughs> yeah, but it's fair. I'll I'll give it to him. Yeah, I'll I'll give it to sure, him. Sure, man. I'll give it. I'll give these athletes whatever they. These guys worked That's so it. hard for years and years and years that we we always bicker about. You know, oh, he didn't didn't earn the title and blah blah blah. He, he not his fault. He got kneed in the head when he was down. And that that's against yeah. the rules. Yeah, I mean, there's so many of those situations. It's 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 a crazy sport. It's crazy. I mean, there's you know how many times I sit there and I'm just like. Wow, I was like, people are complaining about that. I was like, this man has fought for 10 years. He had 30 UFC fights. So what? He didn't win a world champion sometimes. Like, look at that career. That's phenomenal, you know? Like, so sometimes, like, you didn't have a six. That's crazy. The Champions League or you don't have a World Cup ring doesn't mean you didn't have a successful, amazing career, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there are a lot of... Uh, athletes that are among the top in their sport that never won a championship and they still walk away being one of the top guys in the sport, right? So, um, but you remember when Aljamain took that knee when he was a grounded opponent, there was there was a fighter who came out and said that uh, they thought that they should that that should be legal. Do you remember who that was? That that's somebody that that's something that they should allow? No, I don't remember who it was. It was but we it was, saw it was that Demetrius kind of Johnson. DJ. Oh, he's Demetrius Johnson it, okay. went on Twitter and said. That's a, they should they should allow knees to down the opponents. Well, be careful what you wish for because Demetrius Johnson yeah. got knocked out for the first time in his career this past week. Uh, very very surprising turn of events. Lost to Adriano Moraes. Yeah, what I my big take on that it's just him not understanding. It's too many years of not kneeing to the head that there's probably these little lapses in your mind where you don't think about something like that. So I mean that's what I thought happened in that fight. Like when he was yeah, knocked I down, so. I thought that he was, he, in his mind, because he's been in so many fights, and I'm sure he was rocked, was like, okay, I'm grounded, I'm safe here. But when you're not used to fighting with that rule, yeah. it can get taken, taken advantage of, uh, of. Or even if you fight that rule set, if it never happened in any of the fights, you don't know. You don't expect something like that. Like, I mean, if all of a sudden you tell me now, I mean, would say I fight Lethway. All of a sudden, yeah, I know I can throw headbutts, but if I'm in there, then all of a sudden I get, you know, smacked with a headbutt. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot you can throw those things. I'm not used to them, you know. The same thing happened with me with elbows. Like, I was a kickboxer, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, fight Muay Thai. And I was like, okay, I've never thrown an elbow in my <laughs> damn life. All right. And all of a sudden, I got elbows cutting me, splitting me open. But it's like, all right, I guess that's what it is. You learn after afterwards. My first loss – my. I have two losses in my career. One was a Muay Thai fight because I didn't know how to fight Muay Thai, and the other one was Nikki Holtzkin. Wasn't there another so one? Wasn't Muay there another Thai bad decision that you got somewhere along the line, or was that the Muay Thai fight? Uh, the Muay Thai one, I mean, he beat me with elbows. I out-kickboxed him, but he beat me with elbows, and with Muay Thai, I guess it scored better, and I was cut. So you only have one kickboxing uh, loss? One kickboxing okay, loss, Okay, so yeah. it's the Muay Thai fight that I'm thinking of. Yeah, because I remember you had a decision yeah. you didn't agree with, so that was, that was yeah, a bad fight. Yeah, six... Six weeks, I think six weeks or eight weeks after that first Muay Thai fight, I fought another Muay Thai fight against UFC alumni, uh, Mehdi Baghdad. Yeah, I remember, so yeah. Eight weeks after. Then he cut me open, but I, I beat him up pretty bad. He just hit me with two elbows, meant five-round beat down. So did you train elbows 
when you were uh, training for those? Like, did you have no? But it was you? almost like a, it was a similar <laughs> situation to Conor McGregor. Now, so I knew how to fight. I knew in eight weeks I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to become an elbow specialist. So I adapted. So how did I fight Medi Baghdad? Hit and move. Hit and move. Hit and move. So he couldn't grab me. Couldn't clinch me. So I just used different game plan and fight IQ to to stay at a longer range because I knew the shorter range and he wanted to elbow me. So I stayed long. So it was just a mental IQ and game plan situation i so feel like this should have been brought up earlier in the show joe this is a perfect practical example of what conor mcgregor can do in his rematch well, that's exactly what happened that's all he has to do is just change the range of his fight that's it there you go and i cue it all right I like that's it. it my dad still keeps telling me my dad every day keeps telling me message conor I was like, Dad, what? <laughs> Connor's not going to just let me call him. So my dad wants me to call Connor McGregor and tell him that I can help him with low kicks. So if you talk to Connor McGregor, tell him my father thinks that I should be with him and his team to help him with low kicks. Well, listen, I don't have a I direct with line him. to Connor. I agree with him. I don't have a direct line to Connor, but I can get I can get uh, his agent. I can mention, you know, send Adi Atara message and say that you'd like to speak with him about I'll, about game plan. I think my dad will. Uh, Get my dad on the phone. He'll sell me to him. Next thing you know, I'm in Connor's corner coming up. There you go. I'll oh. take it. All right. Well, yeah. But if you'd like, I can reach out to uh, to Adi for you and just say, hey, Joe. Joe has a game plan idea for uh, for yeah. Connor if he's willing to listen to it. They 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 know what to do. They all know what to do. Like I I've. It's so funny to me. So it's like as a commentator, fighters are so sensitive about the game plan. The game plan. I was like, okay. It's quite obvious what your game plan is. If this guy is a movement fighter and your only chance is pressuring, why is it so hard to say that you're going to pressure or you're going to like it's, – it's OK, guys. We know what you're going to do. If you have half of an IQ in fighting, we know what the overall – game plan's gonna be like if wonder boy if you fight wonder boy thompson right i i gave out that how to beat wonder boy like okay here it is but try it it's, it's not that easy <laughs> you know what i mean oh someone commented on that video the other day being like oh so luke uh luke tried the strategy and it didn't work i was like okay like what do you want me yeah. to do sorry he didn't <laughs> apply it or do it the exact way it doesn't work it's like we know the game plan it's the theory it's can you apply the theory and make it work well, here's so, the other thing people are completely ignoring. People are people are thinking Poirier is going to come in with the same game plan. He's, yeah. he's going to just expect yeah. that Connor's not, not going to know what to do. Yeah, he's not going to throw the same timing kicks. He's going to have a different plan. I guarantee you, Poirier is going to box more this time because Connor's going to be so focused on the leg kicks that uh, Poirier is just going to come here and start blasting his hands, use his power punches. That might be so, Con- that might be Poirier's best weapon is his boxing. I think so. Come in and it's like Connor's so worried about blocking the calf kick so he might be light on the lead leg. And then at that time, if Dustin steps in and just blasts some power punches, you know, anything can happen. So if anything, Dustin can use that advantage because now he knows that Connor's focus is only on the leg. Now have a game plan that's different from the calf or use the calf as a feint to set up different attacks now, right? Because he's so focused on that area that he's forgetting the other spots and other openings. Well, we have a lot of MMA coming up, and uh, one other thing I want to bring up is this past weekend, we had two main events, Bellator and the UFC, that kind of played out in the same way. You had two striking-based fighters that uh, were not all that great on the ground, and their opponents knew it, took them down, held them there, made their lives miserable, and, and won. So Ryan Bader beats Lyoto Machida, gets his revenge for, uh, their, for his uh, loss to him, I think it was nine years ago, and uh, Kevin Holland Looks okay yeah. on the feet for a little bit, and then, you know, Vittori says, yeah, I know how to beat this guy. Let's just do that. <laughs> yeah. The the era of just being a striker is no longer here. You have to be a full mixed martial artist to do well in the sport now. So, I mean, I mean, you could be a specialist before. You can be the karate master. You can be, like, even now, like, Israel Adesanya, the best probably striker on the planet. And guess what? What he's doing every day wrestling takedown defense you know it, it's a full well-rounded game to be at the top and i just think those guys uh rely too much on their striking and it sucks as a striker to say that but all my striking guys listening let's start grappling all right well i mean you have to you, ha- you know if you get the, if, there, if, if you're kevin holland and you, this is the thing about kevin holland though he's so good at jujitsu but he doesn't seem to have anything off his back like he doesn't throw up a lot of triangles and things like he, he has in previous fights but it seems like in these fights, for whatever reason, he's not throwing stuff up uh, off his back, which is what surprises me because he could use his jujitsu offensively, and uh, yeah. 
you know, when when he's on when he's on his back, throw things up. Yeah, and it's just gonna create a scramble, which helps him stand up. Like he doesn't seem his frame, and you look at him and Vittori's frame, like that short, stocky thickness. Like Holland's not built to do those kind of things to stay heavy. He has to use that rubber guard, open guard, like attack a triangle, then kind of slip out. Like he has to use his frame, and I think just overall strength's not his thing. So you're absolutely right by using submission attacks at least. I mean, he's going to be on his back for the rest of his career. Now, people are going to wrestle him. How much can better can his wrestling get in the meantime? Probably not that much better, but it'll get a little bit. But at least use that submission attacking to kind of get up and it'll help you stay on your feet. One really bad body type for middleweight, I think, overall, maybe... It's coming. I mean, tall and thin. When you're a tall and thin middleweight that, that could make 170 pounds, that's on the smaller side of 185 pounds, it's not, like, you, you can't have a lot of success with that. I mean, Silva was somewhat thin, but he was pretty big. Like, he, he would fight at 205 and win fights at 205. Kevin Holland would be would not be able to win a fight at 205 for the most part. What about think. Izzy, though? Yeah, but Izzy, Izzy's yeah, I guess, mean, Izzy, right? I guess Izzy's They probably have thin. the same body Izzy's frame. Izzy's also a world-class strike striker. But, yeah, I, I mean, that's a good point. But yeah. uh, I think that unless you have that kind of elite striking, I mean, Izzy's takedown defense is quite good. I mean, it was kind of exploited in the last fight against a much bigger guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to argue I, against that. Izzy is tall I just and thin. Think but Izzy's Izzy's, I don't think Izzy can make bad. 170, though. Like, Izzy's, Izzy's, Izzy's like 6'4". Izzy's IQ that's a little bit of a different, too. I mean, he's not over – like, you'll see Holland overthrow a punch, where Izzy's not going to overthrow a punch. He's going to hit, move, stay long, sharp, full range. So I think Izzy's takedown defense is just that much better than everyone because I think he understands range that much better than everyone as well. And and his takedown defense is good as well, and it's constantly improving. But his ability to manage range is what helps him defend takedowns a lot more. Yeah, and, and Holland doesn't seem to have that. I mean, Holland is just – he's very unpredictable. But the thing about him is, that, like, I don't, I don't know how – Big he is on game planning. I think he's one of these guys that just kind of goes, kind of goes with the flow, and that can only take you so far. I think. But I, I thought, to be honest, when you were going to say one of the toughest body frames, the worst one, I thought you were leaning towards Gaslam, and I thought you were transitioning into Mr. Whitaker well, fight mean, here. Gaslam because... and Whitaker have similar builds, though. I mean, they're both kind of they've both fought at 170. I don't think that yeah. he's going to have much of a size disadvantage. Like he usually has a pretty big size disadvantage at uh, at middleweight. I don't think against Whitaker he's going to have much of one. Do you? Well, I don't know. I just think it's the frame, the shortness. I mean, like if if, if I was going to have a body frame for the middleweight, I'd prefer to have Kevin Holland's body than probably Gaslam, you know, if if anything. But, but it seems like these compact guys are pretty successful. Like, let me see how tall how tall does it say Whitaker is here? Because Gaslam's like five nine. I would five, say Whitaker's ten. six. I would Whitaker's say five six. eleven, so he's only going to have about an inch in height. Because yeah. I'm I'm about five eight five nine, and Gaslam is a, is a little bit taller than me, but not much. What do they have Gastelum listed as here? Gastelum, I think it's 5'10", probably. 5'9". So so it's about a 2-inch height advantage for Gastelum, for for Whitaker over Gastelum, which isn't that big of a deal. And Rob's a big boy. Like, I mean, I was watching a little bit of, uh, I think it was on Instagram, the UFC Instagram. They showed um, back of when they were the coaches on The Ultimate Fighter. And they showed an episode where they did like a marathon run or something as a competition. Man, Whitaker's legs were Thick. I was just like, he's a big boy. Like, That's the I big don't difference picture, between them. Gaston doesn't have very thick legs. No, no, I just don't picture Rob as this big, thick guy. But five eleven. That's my. So he's probably like my size, if not bigger than me. So he probably Rob's. I would assume is walking over two hundred pounds. He says he says he walks around at two twenty. I spoke to him yesterday. Two twenty. Rob Whitaker's. Yeah. Wow. Because I asked him. That's I said to him. Big, man. I wow. said to him. Uh, if, if if the UFC, let's say you were the middleweight Jeez. champion again. And the UFC said, we want you to try to win a second belt. You can face Usman at 170, or you can face Jan Blahovic at 205. What would you, before I could even finish the question, 205. I, he goes, I yeah, can't make 170 really? anymore. That's a big boy, man. Wow. I didn't think Rob was that big. Jeez. And people tell me, like, oh, yeah, you're a middleweight now. I was like, how the heck am I a middleweight? I, I thought I was with my size now. I'm like, I right now wake up 195 pounds. Yeah, so you're a welterweight. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm maybe just over 10% body fat. But, like, that guy's 220, and he's not even the biggest in the division. Israel Adesanya, six foot three, six four. Monzi's tall. Yeah, how big is Vittori? Huge. Vittori, I think, is also 5'11". And he's, he's six thick, feet tall. He's though. six feet tall. 
but he's probably at least he probably walks 222. But then I've also heard someone like um, Kamar Usman walk at least 210. At least two. At least at least two bills. Yeah. So I mean, maybe my size is more like uh, I don't know. Usman seems just as bigger than me too. So even me, I'm like, damn. Like, so I'd still be a welterweight when it looks when I look at it. Usman, you and Usman probably woke up at the same weight this morning, and Usman's like fighting in a week in a bit. And he's yeah, and he's leaner than me too. So yeah. Yeah. If I had so, to yeah, guess, big boys, I would man. think that he's probably 190, big, big, 190 big. today, if I had to guess. Yeah, I was probably 200 today. Oh, were you? Okay, no. well, then you're probably bigger than Usman today. A little bigger. But you're not fighting, you're not fighting in, in front of a sold-out arena in a, in a week and a bit. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I was, not going to lie. I wish I was. Sign I the contract, Joe. Sign I the contract. There. That's, that's... I should have been. <laughs> if there was no such thing as brain injuries, you guys would all be watching me on the UFC main events. I'd have nobody to do this podcast with. You'd be too busy. <laughs> with two belts on my waist behind me, would there be two? There'd be three glory belts in my mind and two UFC ones sitting on my shelf. That would be my. Well, maybe they should introduce. Plan. They should introduce helmets into the sport. What do you think? I also heard. Hey, what about uh, Mr. Elon Musk came out saying that uh, this little uh, Neuralink chip could maybe help with dementia, Alzheimer's. So I was like, hey, maybe Elon Musk uh, is my savior. Well, I mean, that's, if he can develop it, that's great. That's great news. There was a tweet. He tweeted about it, uh, I think, uh, yesterday or two days ago, that he has this neural link that uh, it's talking about, like, the first, you know, release of it could help, like, um, paraplegics and get people walking again, getting people to see again. So the technology behind it's phenomenal. So it looks promising, but I don't know if I'm ready for a chip in my head. I've got to say, brain damage, people that are our age that are, like, under 40, We've got to be excited about what the future holds in terms of science, in terms of like, you know, how our quality of life can go up and like significantly based on scientific advances. Yeah. I just hope people now with this technology decide like, yeah, I can live unhealthily. I know I'm going to get Neuralink. I'll be fine. You know, let's, no, let's, let's still live healthy. Let's still live good. People are crazy. Yeah, but like, I mean, I that's also good for your mental health. Be... Like living yeah, healthy still... is good for is good for your ha- overall happiness. Yeah, but I still think it's crazy that people still smoke cigarettes. I think oh, that's so, insane well, yeah. still. Same with me. I think that's absolutely insane that c- cigarette smoking is still a thing. Well, I think about how much it costs also. Like, how much is a – do you have any clue how much a pack of cigarettes is? I'm guessing uh, 20 I believe bucks? it's $20. Yeah. I believe. So there are people that smoke a pack someone. in a day – every day or every two days. Let's say it takes you two days to finish a pack if you're smoking. So that's 20 times – 130 let's say or uh, sorry 180 so you're talking about to kill yourself it costs you 3600 dollars a year <laughs> and each cigarette you take there's this big nasty picture that you got to look at to yeah. open up saying hey this is going to kill you you open up you grab it and you close it and you get to look at this gingivitis rotting gum picture and i don't know i don't get it i don't understand but it's still a thing habits yeah, but you know what? You're you're going out and you're getting fresh air as a result of it. I like I'm trying to think. I, I feel like somebody will one day develop something that will allow people to go out and get fresh air. That that will also be like a habit. That I, I think like that. Help. I like that you said that though. I mean, there is probably some sort of positivity to it. Some people are saying one nicotine could be good for the brain, but it's all the other garbage and chemicals. But the idea of every hour going outside for a 10 minute break to take a breath to breathe to maybe socialize with friends because smoking is very social too you always smoke with someone outside and so i guess like even in high school you saw the smokers always together talking and socializing over a cigarette so maybe there is something to it maybe it's like hey let's meet outside and let's do 10 minutes of squats or something i don't know being stupid here but there should be something i agree with it i just hated growing up that how can a smoker be given all these breaks and i'm still working i was like they're allowed to leave every yeah. hour or two to have a 10 minute cigarette and i'm still working at the end of the day i should leave an hour early for all the but times i think that's they, part they of why smoking is addictive as well like i think that you're i think it's good for your mental health to go outside like you like we were just saying for like five ten minutes every hour yeah i like it even stand up they say you should every hour at least stand up at your desk every hour don't just sit there for eight hours as I adjust my back and start stretching. Yeah, we need to we need to come up. Maybe we should uh, invent something, Joe. Something because when you say squats, I mean that's work, right? People don't want to. People don't want to work. They want they want something that they can put in their mouth or like put do something yeah. with something in their hands. And they can, yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah, I like it. We got to figure something something a little healthy, something habit based, 
something that can still make us some money. We're gonna we're gonna try to make some money off. Yeah, of it's this gotta be idea. something that disappears like a cigarette. Like you got you gotta buy a pack of them. You gotta buy something that's that's. That's it. You, you have people... to buy every other yeah. day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We gotta come up with something that people buy every other day. <laughs> there exactly. you go. We're on to something. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. So all right, all right. But... Anything else we missed this week? Or yeah, yeah, I think we, I've, I've got or... a list here. So let, let's see what else is on that list. So we got that. Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of uh, mixed martial arts coming up. I mean, PFL starts uh, next week. Just a quick shout-out to uh, John McDessie, by the way. Fought yeah. pretty good last uh, this weekend. I thought he did pretty good. Uh, stayed and pressured a little bit, went forward, beat up. That kid was tough, How young huge kid is that and, uh, kid? How, he's monster. huge for 155. Monster. And he just took shots and kept coming forward. The kid wanted to win, man. So uh, the vet in McDessie, well done, man. It was, it, it was a, a good moment for John. I think that fight did a lot for both those guys. It's got to be a time. big confidence boost for John McDessie to beat a, a big prospect like that as an underdog, for sure. Especially, McDessie's a small 55er. We talked about this. He's a yeah, small 55er. He tiny. looks tiny compared to that guy. Yeah. They and look he like doesn't different weight strength classes. train. Like, when he came training with me, he, does, he doesn't strengthen. He believes in, like, the old martial arts ways. Push-ups, sit-ups, body weight, shadow boxing. Like, and he's coming b- off of back injuries and stuff. So I know there was – he actually changed teams, too. Like, he, that's why when he came with me, he was looking for a new team. I think he found uh, a new team out in Vegas so he can still go to the Institute, get his treatment. So very, very proud moment for McDessie, man. Well done. But I think also for Bahamondes – that does a lot for him too. Like I think that being in a, a war of attrition like that with a veteran and not getting, you know, not getting finished and, and fighting through it, that kind of adversity I think is going to help him in the future. Yeah. And I think McDessie ruined uh, UFC plans. I, th- if, I bet you it was more to kind of promote this kid, right? I mean, McDessie, 35 years old, hasn't fought in a while. They were probably like, hey, let's give McDessie this fight. And McDessie looks great. So hopefully that can give him a, a few more fights, a few interesting. I want to see McDessie with more in those like legend fights now, you know? Like, I don't or know. A like a cowboy. Ju- yeah. Has he fought or cowboy Miller. already? Cowboys fought everybody. I think Here's he's fought a- cowboy already. What about uh, Jim Miller? Like, you know, something like that fun. I don't know. Clay Guida. Someone that's just going to make fun. Uh, He's not – I don't see John doing title runs. So some exciting fights for him with guys who will bang on the feet to help him build his name I think would be fun. This weekend we've also got Jake Paul, Ben Askren. Why is Ben Askren going to win this fight? If Ben Askren – let's say Ben Askren is representing the fight community in your opinion. Uh, A, is he representing the fight community? And B, what do you think he's going to be able to do to beat – a guy like Jake Paul, who's like a good boxer. Yeah, I mean, he's a good. I, I don't know. I, he would never be a professional boxer, but he knows how to box. Yeah, I, I, I bet you Jake Paul could be a pro boxer in like five, ten years. I think he's a he's an athlete. I think he puts the time in. I think he hits hard. I think he's a natural athlete. So I think he could if with time. But no, I don't think Ben Askren is representing. Martial, like combat sports of the fight world. He's representing wrestling. He's not a striker. He's never been a striker. I, I do not want to say that that man is representing what I do on my feet. It would be an understatement of being a mixed martial arts striker and him representing us. I'm excited for the fight. I, I, I think it's just like a freak show. I grew up on loving the Japanese fights, the K1 fights. I loved Pride. I want to see freak shows with safety, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't think he represents the sport. I'm excited for it, and uh, I have no clue who's going to win. As of right now, if you ask me who's going to win, I'm thinking Ben Askren is going to win. But I actually jumped before. In the beginning, I thought Jake Paul was going to win. I'll be honest, but my gut is telling me Askren's IQ is too good. Well, I spoke to Gerald Mearshart yesterday, who trains, at least did train with Ben Askren for a time uh, at Rufus Sport, and you know, I said to him, I think people are ignoring the fact that Ben had to have done striking for for a decade. Like, even though wrestling is his bread and butter, for at least 10 years of his fight career, he had to do stand-up sparring with the likes of Anthony Pettis, with the likes yeah. of Biggie Rhodes, with, with people that are good strikers. Do holding pads. Do holding pads. Know? Like they didn't. They there's no way that he came into Rufus's Duke Rufus's gym, a kickboxer, yeah. and they said you're just gonna do wrestling today. Every yeah. you're you're gonna do you're just gonna drill wrestling with our guys, and you're, they're gonna try to stop you stop takedowns. So for ten years, he had to have been doing a degree of of refined stand up work. Yep. Yep. And I think people are ignoring that for some reason. Like. 
you know, we saw that his stand-up looked fairly rudimentary in MMA. But he's, he's fighting against guys that are also doing stand-up training day in and day out for years and years and years. Like, Demian Maia fought in K1, right? Like, he's not just a jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. Masvidal, I, I think, could probably hang with some professional boxers. Like, his, his boxing is great. Big time. Big so time. He's, he's fighting against people that are, are better than him on the feet, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to utilize his stand-up skills. Yeah, and it's fighting. I always say the number one importance, and I say it a million times, and everyone's bored of me saying it's all about distance management. It doesn't matter what sport, what glove you are wearing. If you know how to understand distance and range, you're fine. Because I'm a kickboxer, okay? Everyone's like, well, you don't know how to defend small gloves in MMA. I was like, I do know how to defend small gloves. I know how to defend bare knuckle gloves because if you punch me, guess what? With a small glove, I'm going to move my feet so you don't hit me. If you have a big glove, I might stand there and block it with my forearm. So I know how to block from different ranges and different tools. So I could fight bare knuckle. I could fight with MMA gloves. I can fight with big gloves. I can fight with no hands. You want me to fight with just my feet? I'll do that too. You know, so the, the idea that Ben Askren knows that. He knows how to stay long, and he knows how to stay in and enter safely. So the ability to do that is what's going to win him this fight. If he sits in mid-range and tries to box, he's going to lose probably because he has a young, healthy, aggressive kid whipping wild punches. But as soon as he's in that range and Jake Paul goes through those wild punches, guess what Askren's going to do? He's going to come forward. He's going to jam his punches. He's going to hold his hands, pin them, frame them, possibly clinch them and tie him up. And then that's how he's going to win the fight. I don't think he's going to knock out Jake Paul, but his range understandment, uh, understanding is going to just win him the fight for sure. So there's this guy. Uh, I saw him fight on Dream. He's, he's a YouTube guy from Japan. He's like a YouTuber. Very good grappler, good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu. How do you okay. think you would do against someone like that? Like You would represent the fight community, and he would represent YouTube, but he's fantastic at jiu-jitsu and, and ground fighting. Do you think that guy would probably beat you if it's just ground, if it's strictly grappling? If it's strictly grappling, yeah, for sure he would. Yeah. So I mean, 100%. so if people said Joe Joe represents the fight community and he's going to be facing a YouTuber, he better not embarrass the fight community. I mean, that that probably wouldn't be fair. Yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> be fair. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we can I kind mean, of look at Ben the same way a little bit, right? Like like you yeah. said, I mean, he's 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 a wrestling specialist. I mean, wrestling is what got him to the dance. That's what got him to becoming a champion in two different major promotions in MMA. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. We're all talking about it. We're interested. I'm I'm so interested. I am really, really interested in like a weird way just to kind of see like, I don't know, like uh, this answers a lot of questions. There's, Do you know how many times like you've been at bars and places and you're like, I would fight this guy and do good. It's like it's almost like this is it. Like, this is a kid who watches fights and just confident looking at us. We're like, I can beat this kid and just uh, I can beat that fighter. And just so happened he has a following to make it happen. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's it's insane. If anything, I just think these Paul Logan and Jake Paul are absolutely insane. Insane. Even they're they're even playing with Floyd Mayweather talks. I have thirty years of martial arts. I'd be terrified to box Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition <laughs> match. Are you crazy? Like you have a big size advantage too for it. Yeah, and I'm 200 pounds. What would I do against Floyd Mayweather? These kids want it. They're talking crap. They're insulting him to get him going. Like, I was just like, damn, I know money talks, but geez, man. Like, you guys are confidence kids. Is there, like, something like a genetic, you know, part of their brain that doesn't allow them fear? But, dang, like, I'd fight Floyd Mayweather. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't be jumping and biting at the bit to do it well it seems like henry cejudo might be uh first in line before you to box floyd mayweather apparently that's uh that might have some legs uh who knows is that like real yeah apparently apparently it has some you know it's i don't know how you know much has been discussed but i spoke to ali abdelaziz uh on monday and uh he said yeah that's that's i mentioned cejudo i said you know why why did he walk away you know what how much money would it take to get this guy back he wouldn't really talk dollars and cents with me, but he goes, I want to see Cejudo and Floyd Mayweather. And that's what Cejudo's been, you know, doing on Twitter this week is trying to get Floyd Mayweather to agree. And for Mayweather, I mean, you're talking about a guy who fought at flyweight and bantamweight in Cejudo, and you can box that guy. I mean, look at what happened when he boxed Tension, who's like a legit kickboxer that's a yeah, smaller yeah. guy. I mean, if I'm Mayweather and I can make some money off of that one and do a fight in, you know, the Middle East against Cejudo and make whatever, three, four, five million dollars, I would do that. Why not? Yeah. I mean, there's an option. But what do you think that picture that Floyd, Dana, and was it Sakuraba Sakura, posted? Yeah. Uh, not Sakuraba, Saki Kabara. 
Saka Barra. Saka Kabara, yeah, that's the guy. And he's the what? He runs. Who's, who's he, he runs. Uh, Dream. He runs. Uh, not well. Dream Rising, and Rising. Rising. Yeah. Okay. And and, so, and and Pride. Yeah. So what do you think it was? Just trolling. Just get everyone excited. Well, maybe. Well, I mean, hey, maybe maybe they talked about something where Suhudo faces Mayweather under the Ryzen umbrella. I don't know why the UFC would sign off on that. Maybe the UFC gets a cut, and uh, I don't know. Because Suhudo's I mean, not on the roster, you know. Well, Suhudo's retired, but technically they stole on his contract, right? Like they would have to sign off on him boxing Floyd, especially for a rival mixed martial arts promotion. Or maybe Saki Kabara wants to promote it in Japan. Again, the UFC gets a cut. Suhudo boxes Mayweather, and I don't know. People make some money. Yeah, yeah, I'm for it. I mean, we have what Oscar De La Hoya coming back. We have uh, Anderson Silva fighting Chavez Jr. Is it there? You should offer to box De La Hoya. That would be. I thought about that. I thought about <laughs> messaging Thriller. Seriously, I actually did. I was like, <laughs> with all these exhibition matches, I'm sure someone. I don't know, like. Some interesting guy, an old boxer, or even a UFC guy would be fun. Well, that's what, what, about that's, what that's what De La Hoya says he wants to fight. He says he wants to fight a mixed martial artist. He wants to box a mixed I, martial artist. You know who I thought? You know who I thought randomly, and like I would do it in a friendly way. May I'll even message him his ass. Like I always thought, you know, it would be fun that he wants to come back. Dan Hardy. Yeah. Me and Dan Hardy box each other. I don't know, in Thriller or something. I don't know, something fun like that. Dan, Dan's also still under UFC contract, right? So, yeah, he wants to fight again. I've seen him do some bag work. We follow each other. Like, I mean, just it's like we're almost in the perfect scenario. We're in the same kind of situation. So, like, let's, let's hit each other, man, as yeah. martial artists. <laughs> similar, let's have similar, some fun. similar size. Yeah, we both job. We both do YouTube. We're both former, you know, fought for world titles, you know, just similar ages. It works. It works. I like out. De La Hoya better. I feel like you can yeah. take De La Hoya. And people said I was like a young – I remember the biggest compliments I used to get as a kid with uh, Gary Goodridge and his sister used to come in and train at my gym here. And they would come in. It was Susie and Gary. Gary would take off – come with his big Cadillac and take off his big gold chain, give it to me. And they always say like, you're uh, you're like uh, – him and his sister say, you're like a young De La Hoya, you know, with the pretty boy young De La Hoya they used to always call me. So that's uh, – when I looked at pictures, I was like, yeah, that's all right. Hopefully they don't look at me all dressed up like he does now. But when he was young, uh, good-looking kid, I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good compliment. I yeah, used to love De La Hoya watching him. De La Hoya yeah. was a hell of a boxer. But I just think One that, of my favorites. I just think that the current De La Hoya probably is, uh, wouldn't be able to hang with with, uh, I don't, with uh, Joseph Altolini. I don't know. He's But you can't lose that. Come on, man. You can't, De La Hoya, that's De La Hoya. He's probably still got some good movement. The timing like, can't be as good, though. Like, it just, it can't. You know, I'm a better athlete, but the, the mindset in that, man, that's a, that's a legend of legends, you know? I don't know. Send Triller a message. Let's, let's get that one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> he probably wants an, a, a bigger name, but hey, I'm down. Sign me up. Uh, Anderson Silva, like, that would be fine. I'm well, down he's, if he's no boxing, one wants to find Anderson Silva. He's boxing Julio Chavez Jr., Right. Yeah. Because he would be fun too. Because he would be like a a safe guy too. He wouldn't want to hurt you. He'd be nice. We'd play fun, and we would still put on an exciting fight. Anderson would be fun. He's yeah. huge though. He is huge. Yeah. He's he's a lot huge. bigger than you are. He's. I've stood next to him. He's a big. He's a big dude. Yeah. There we go. My thriller. We're we're creating my thriller. It's thriller, Joe. Career. Thriller. thriller. Yeah. Thriller. I don't know thriller. how Bun B hasn't sued these guys for using the name Thriller, but that, that's thriller. another story. I just I'm, I'm butchering names all over today. Yeah. Sakuraba, Triller, Thriller. Well, Joe, be thriller. being, being Thriller, being Thrill is an automatopoeia. So I mean, you know, you got to be uh, Thrill. I don't even know what Trill means. No. What's Triller? You got to ask Bun B. Bun B will explain Bun B? to you who, what Trill is all about. All right, so I got to Google what Bun B is and what Triller is. Yeah. I know Bun B's a rapper, but I, don't, I couldn't tell you who or what song he sings. We know that I'm not a music guy. Yeah. Well, there you go. So Bun B. Yeah. There, there you go. Get, go. Listen to some Bun B. Trilla. Yeah. All right. All right, Joe. Well, we'll be back next week. Lots to recap. Hey, we didn't even really preview uh, this weekend's card, did we? We got well. No. We we talked about Gaslam and uh, and Whitaker actually. Is there anything else on that card that we're uh, that we're, we're missing here? Well, I know Coleman, uh, Jeremy Stevens is always fun to watch. Hey, uh, we have some breaking news from uh, Brett Okamoto of ESPN. Jan Bohovic versus Glover Teixeira booked for UFC 266 oh, okay. in September. September. Ooh, it's a long time. But yeah, it is a long time. But you know, it is. It is. 
That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's good news, though. I know that Jan wanted to take some time off and said it. ideally he wanted to come back in September, so here we go. I'm looking forward to that one. I, 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 I like both these guys, but it would be great to see Glover Teixeira become a champion in the UFC. It's great. It was great to see Jan become a champion because he's such a gentleman. It would be great yeah. to see Glover become a champion for the same reason. Yeah, I like him. And I mean, just seeing the way he is, like, I don't, I never seen his personality, but because I follow, um, Alex Pereira, the UFC, uh, sorry, the glory, uh, champ there. And he trains with he, him. And he trains with him. Just, but just seeing the personality of these Brazilians is just amazing. Like, Glover seems, Glover, Glover, whatever. Glover. What's Glover? Glover yeah. He just seems like such, he's taking Alex under his wing, so nice, always politely spoken. Like, these Brazilians are just old martial artists. I just, I like their, their vibe. I mean, it, I saw, I think it was Machida, Glover, Alex, and they just have barbecues. They're so social. They're fun together. So, I mean, I like the mentality. I really do. You should, get a, you should go train in Glover's garage. That's that's where champions are made. I would love to. They're in Connecticut. Yeah. Just go right. drive over there. Todd's to over there. I would have fun in Connecticut. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's Glover's garage, man. That's, that's the place. That's the best gym in the world. Yeah, those small garages. Yeah. Shout like out to it. the MMA Analysis Podcast, who are the only people who might know what I'm talking about, as well as my colleague Dan Tom, you know, with it. That's the, there's a, there's the, there's the myth of Glover's garage. If you don't know about the myth of Glover's garage, I mean it's it's legendary. That's what it is. Yeah. All right. That's why Glover's. I I... That's why that's that's where the fountain of youth is. That's that's why. why that's Glover where it is. So oh. yeah. All right. I gotta drink some of that. <laughs> exactly. Give me some of that. My birthday's in two weeks. I need it. Was it thirty? Oh, can I guess? What are you? Thirty six in two weeks? Yes, I am. Thirty six. There you go. Thirty six years young. Yeah, you're my you're my sister's age. So that's how I remember my my younger sister. Is the same age. You're you're born '85. Yes, sir. All right. May third, nineteen eighty-five. I'm accept, uh, accepting all gifts sent to the gym. They must be over a hundred dollars in value. <laughs> uh, what else? What else do I want for my birthday? Uh, that's it. Just open up gyms. I want for my. You need birthday. to get one of these Sonos Roam speakers for your birthday. They're coming out soon. That's perfect for you. Is it? Yeah, it's like a. It's a little like. Uh, Sonos now has uh, do you know the Sonos speakers? Yeah, I know what they are. Now they have like a a nice little portable speaker you can bring. You throw it in your gym bag. Battery life on it is great. You bring it with you. Huh. you just play music through Bluetooth or Wi-Fi and it sounds great. I'm more of a Bose guy, but now these are speakers, like a little speakers. Yeah, no, I usually use the little ones too from Bose. I have a. Uh... Uh, the mini, Bose Micro, Bose Mini. No, it's a wireless speaker, yeah. and I usually travel with one. Okay. But I'll yeah, look into it. The same thing. But yeah, Sonos, Sonos uh, have uh, I think better technology personally. But that's all good. I'm gonna get one for Father's Day. That's 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 been determined. That's on the plan. I've already and that's ordered. That's what it. mid-May. That's mid-May. What Father's Day is June. June. But I'm getting it when it comes out. Like it's it's just a preemptive gift. I buy yeah, myself. I asked my gifts. parents for an espresso machine. I need an espresso machine. What an espresso? Uh, I just want a nice little coffee pod one. One of those little yeah, ones. Yeah, get the Nespresso. Nespresso ones. They yeah, have, they the had one. a great deal a couple of weeks ago. Next time they have one of these deals, I'll let you know because yeah, they I have think a deal. My mom's like it was like a hundred bucks or something no, for no, these it, nice it's, little it's, ones. You, you basically you buy maker. you buy four hundred pods, and you get it for like thirty nine bucks with like a frother. Okay. Next time they have that deal, I'll let you know. Four hundred. Yeah, I, I, it's you got to tell my mom it's my birthday gift. Okay. So if I'll it's a deal in two weeks. You know, it's, that's what she's. Uh, that's what I asked for. It's because me, I'm such a coffee guy, and I'm so routine with my coffee. It's gonna sound stupid, but like, say I have my last big coffee, and it's four o'clock, and then I eat my dinner. I want to have a little coffee at the end, so I don't want to have a full coffee at six p.m., six thirty. So my nice little, little espresso at little the end of my day. For dessert. Boom. Have a little bit of something on the side. Lately, I've been into this. I have this nice little dark chocolate with coconut. Boom. Nice little square, and I have my espresso, and I'm off for the day. Yeah. Or you could have an affogato for dessert. You do affogatos, Joe? What's an affogato? Come on, you're the Italian guy. I got, I'm going to tell you what an affogato is. What? Let me hear what it is. It's a scoop of ice cream with a shot of espresso on it. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, we don't do that Delightful. in Sicilian culture. We, in Sicilian culture, we eat something called a, a granita, which is um, it's crushed ice. And you eat it for breakfast. And you eat it with like a brioche, which is like a bread. So you basically eat ice slushy. With bread in the morning in Sicily. Well, your That's cousins over at Lamana do the uh, affogato. It's a little gelato, uh, scoop of gelato with uh, some espresso over espresso. it. Yeah. All right, cool. I have to try it. I've never had it. There you go. There's, your, the, there's I, your Italian I, lesson of the day from your Jewish colleague, Aaron Bronstein. There you go. But I like, like Italians, we eat gelato with bread. 
Like, so when I was in Sicily, you can get a bun, which is called the brioche. They cut it open and then they put the ice cream inside the bun. So you're eating bun on a nice uh, ice cream I on a bun. That. that sounds good. I like brioche. Phenomenal. Buns. Phenomenal. So good. So next time you go to Lamanas, do they even sell that? We got to. They have gelatos. Create. I don't know if they, they, I, they, I know they sell bread there. I don't think they sell brioche buns though. Yeah. They're so good. That's all I had to have in Sicily two to three times a day when stuff opens back up i want to just go to la manas and just go bring my laptop with me and work there for the day drink some just just, drink some espressos get everything going just get it all right all right all right all right Aaron. we'll see you soon buddy all right enjoy the show and uh good luck with all your interviews thanks for listening to the tsn mma show for all the latest ufc news visit tsn.ca slash ufc